Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, the, the new podcast from Digital Data Cafe. I'm uh, CEO and founder from Driven IQ, uh, Albert Thompson. Today, we have uh, the one and only uh, CFO and finance extraordinaire, Dave Antical. Just before we get started, though, I got to tell you, Dave um, is finance guru, knows how to navigate startups, knows how to navigate, you know, businesses and funding and rounds. Um, he's personally himself, if I'm not mistaken, has has been a part of over 100 uh, small companies through their raises. And I believe 12 of those were unicorns. Is that right? That's right, Albert. So tell me a little bit more about your story. How did you get to where you're at? And what what's your background? Yeah, of course. So uh, I started uh, just under 20 years ago in my career, uh, 2003. And I didn't really, you know, like most people in business, like, how do you start a business? What, like, what do you want to do? Like, what's the best experience for business? Um, and, you know, I had heard different things, um, marketing, um, finance, accounting. And the thing that I just kept coming back to was like, if you understand the numbers, um, you can understand like how businesses make money. And if you actually want to start your own business one day, or get into business, like that's a great way to do it. So I started out, uh, my first job was at a global accounting firm, like really big one, like 100,000 plus employees. Wow. And I wasn't that good at it. Was you know, I was entrepreneurial and, you know, I liked more working with small, exciting businesses. And hmm. I had, you know, for the most part, I worked with half my time was with one client, uh, Goldman Sachs. It's a very large investment bank in New York. So it was it was a bit one dimensional. And it sounds glamorous maybe to some people, but sure. when, you're, when you're on a big client, the problem is you're one of 60 people on that client. Right. If you're on you know a small client, you might only have two or three people. And that's really where you learn the business. Wow. So my idea of learning, going into accounting to learn business um, wasn't necessarily wrong, but it just, I just didn't you know, do it right. Um, so I, I, after that, I kind of had a dream to always start a business. So, at you know, really? 24, 25, yeah. um, I started a business. So it was, okay. uh, you might remember back in the day, there was these yogurt places like red mango and pink berry. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. Like plain flavored yogurt. So, um, I, there was a couple of, it was a big deal in Europe and South Korea. And I had a friend from South Korea. I had known someone that had gone to Italy and said, this stuff is taking off there. So I got in the rights to do it in New York. So um, I started the business and it bombed. Uh, I did it for about two years and it was, everyone asked why I didn't have vanilla, why I didn't have chocolate. It was this plain flavored yogurt. Um, retail employees can be very difficult to manage. Uh, people were quitting, um, but I had a backstop and that was, I was a CPA and uh, my stepfather had a CPA firm. So um for the next several years until I found my next business, um, like most entrepreneurs, you gotta kill time, look around. Right. I decided to go work with him doing um, small business tax. And mm -hmm. it was a great experience. I got really, really good at navigating the messes that are small businesses. And I dealt with tax problems. I dealt with um, accounting problems. Um, I helped companies sell their business. Um, I helped people when they were getting divorced kind of go through that whole process. And um, I met a client that was doing um, uh, real estate and event spaces. And what that is, is um, you have a very large venue mm -hmm. and you might rent it out for you know, 10, 20, 30, $50,000 a day. 
Um, so we decided, you know, she had the business experience. She had the event experience. I had some business experience. I had run a payroll. I was really good at accounting. I understood tax. Um, and I was going to be the business guy. So I was going to be the guy that, you know, filled out the insurance forms, um, talked to investors, negotiated with landlords, did build outs. Um, right. So we partnered up and uh, that's what I did. I was essentially the CFO at a very young age of a small business. And we grew it and we had about a half dozen locations. We raised some money. Um, we hosted all of Fashion Week. It was a really, really like nice, sizable business. Wow. And in 2014, um, been sold. I had nothing to do. So, um, no, wait. business partner. Just to, no, no. So just to, just to ask you this. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, right? So you had the, the yogurt business, you know, you flopped, but listen, we'll go back to that. But I think all business entrepreneurs have to somehow face plant once or twice in their life. I think you'd agree to, to be able to learn the pitfalls and then you, you get the finance side of the background, but then you go right into this, this event space and you're doing fashion week. I mean, how did all this come together? I and mean, this well, is great. I, it's a, it's a great question. So, uh, and I don't really talk about this because it was so long ago. Um, right. I started that in 07. So um, what happened was it kind of just like went terribly, right? Because we started in 07. Think about that. That yeah. was right before the Great Recession, Correct. right? That's right. right so um, we started in 07 and we raised about, I think it, was, it wasn't much. It was like under a million dollars um, to build out our first location. Wow. The build out went like triple over budget. So we got crushed, absolutely really? crushed. And we almost went out of business. Like my partner had put in a ton of our own money. Like it, it just did, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, like most entrepreneurs, you have those sleepless nights and you're like, wait, I'm actually paying to go to work. You right. know, like yes. and you yes. take in friends and family's money and you feel terrible about it. Um, yes. It's not fun. Like no. it's everything you've heard about, like being really stressful entrepreneur. Yep. So um, we actually got bailed out. We got, it had a huge event from BMW booked. Um, like huge wow. money where like they wanted it for a week. They wanted it to be our introductory thing. And with so much money, it just covered the whole build out. And from there was off to the races. Like um, we definitely did it differently after that though. What we right. did differently was we wouldn't buy, we wouldn't do the build out ourselves anymore. We partnered with landlords. So it would be um, let's say a very large venue, a hundred thousand square feet of Manhattan or 50,000 square feet of Manhattan. In Manhattan, that's not like, Oh, that's yeah. A suburb like that is that's like, you know, a massive property worth could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Yeah. So yep. we'd partner with them and they'd say, you know what, we're going to redevelop this in three years, but we don't have to do with it for three years. So we worked out like a profit split and said, well, we can get you some publicity, um, some cool events like, you know, some of our big clients were like Nike, um, you know, um, like Range Rover, like very sexy events. Yeah. And you can get like the publicity and we'll kind of just sit back and like manage it. And that was it. And that was our business. Um, the problem with that business was the event spaces went and came and went. So, right. um, you know, it could be, you lost 25% of your revenue. Um, when one of the, when they're like, okay, it's time to tear down this, um, big building in Soho and right. build a skyscraper. Um, so nothing you can do about it. So it was a frustrating part of the business, but, um, it was, it was a fun business and it was, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was cool to see how something scales and, you're kind of like, oh, now instead of going, you know, at the beginning, it was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm paying to work. Now right. it was like, oh, I'm making more than I deserve, you know, like at right. a certain point. Because well, that's and, a business. It scales um, very fast. 
It does. And, and you know, um, and I definitely want to finish the rest of your story, but just <clears throat> going back to what you were talking about here, this is um, really interesting, right? Because a lot of businesses tend to face that same dilemma that you're talking about, right? The first year, super tough. Second year, super tough. You know, when are we going to break even? I'm not taking a paycheck. I'm not, I'm not taking an earning, you know, but you know, we got to face that moment in time where it's like, you know, how do we fund this? So, you know, you typically what, you know, you have your friends and family around or you go and you get, like you said, you get some initial money to get things started. What would you say the, the small business person out there that's just listening to this, what would you say like good advice for them to just kind of get started and, and how should they try to formulate their business? And now look, we know all businesses are different, but any type of advice you could give somebody out there? Cause you just said you went to raise a million dollars. I'm sure there's people out there saying, well, how did he do that? Yeah. So uh, the best advice is like be naive because if you actually knew, and Albert, I'm sure you're aware of this, yep. like if you actually knew the pain that you would go through, um, you know, it, you wouldn't do it. Like right. the media has a way of making every successful entrepreneur look like it was so easy. Yes. They never show you the 90% of businesses that go out where the people, you know, like, like, have face, you know, bankruptcy and stuff like that. Um, you know, try, you know, so, so some, some things for like small business, um, I'd say is, as much as you can try and do things above board, um, you know, and, and try to lit, like mitigate your risks. Like don't guarantee a ton of debt. If you can don't try and get out of guaranteeing leases. Um, you can pay a bigger security deposit. Um, and if you can't do a business, um, that's very, and you need a business that's very capital intensive, start out doing something else. And, hmm. you know, most businesses, very few businesses that I've ever seen, are exactly what they plan to be. That's right? a really good point. That's a really yeah. good point. Please uh, elaborate on that because it's always changing, right? Your model can change, especially when yeah. you're from a startup to a scale up, right? It's you you have room it's, to afford yeah. to, to to move the model, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's really the reason is one: if it's that good of business, someone's going to copy you, and they're going to come in and try and take your turf, right? right. When we were doing the event space business, we weren't the only game in town doing it. Other people were doing event spaces. Right. Um, we had to differentiate ourselves. Um, so we had, you, you basically have to, um, when you're starting a business, kind of keep an open mind and know, you know, and say, okay, we don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, but we're going to go with it and we're going to stick with it. Um, one mistake I had made um, at the beginning was not being all in. So I think that's like another important huh. thing. Like when I started the yogurt shop, um, I didn't, you know, it's going to contradict what I just said with mitigate risk, but, right. um, I was a little hesitant. So I didn't, I was part-time working with my stepdad for part of it and part-time running my yogurt shop with the, the idea that I was going to have 300 yogurt shops. And right. I quickly, you know, it was good because I recognized within, you know, three to six months, I wasn't the guy that was going to run 300 yogurt shops. Correct. The economics of a yogurt shop, best case scenario is if you want to manage it, you make a hundred grand. If right. you want to hire a manager, take yourself out of it, you make 40 grand. That's if you right. got a partner, then you're down to 20 grand. Right. Oh, you want to raise capital because you want to put all your money in. Right. Now you're down to 10 grand for yogurt shop. You know, you mo like, there's a lot easier ways to make money. That's right. Um, That's earning, right. You know, you know, three, 300 yogurt chops, you know, uh, <laughs> right. like it's right. a great way to do it, but it's, that's a lot of stress and a lot of debt. Um, yeah. So which actually, back, yeah, I was gonna say, which actually goes back to what you just said, right. Which is that if you could go back to it, 
any capital intensive business, you would say, do something different. So this is kind of just what you're talking about. So do something. Yeah, so how could, yeah. So what other ways can they do something different? What other things can they do to shift? So back then it was like, you didn't really have like all the, like obviously the internet existed. Um, yeah. We all remember what the internet was, but it wasn't as easy to start a business. Um, so I would say like, if you look at like, um, you know, getting experience in a business is always good. So if you want to um, open up a restaurant, go work at a restaurant, you know, like don't just, you know, and that like, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I don't want to work in that industry. I want to own it. And and I, and um, you know, I'm not going to fast forward too much, but when I left um, my last business, one of the businesses I looked at was an event equipment rental company. Mm -hmm. So, and it was one of those things where I worked in it for three months before I bought it. And then I said, I'm not buying this. I'd have to you know, wake up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m., commute an hour. It's a seven day a week business. Um, you know, it's very, very stressful. And um, again, it kind of, you know, there's a lot of great, smart people in the event equipment industry, but they're not, it's not always like that. And it kind of reminded me more about uh, my yogurt shop that it did my event management company, which, yep. um, you know, was you ask someone to do something, they do it because, you know, that's their livelihood where I think when people um, at some of the lower level jobs, they are more likely to um, not care about their job or think yes. it's, you know, expendable, they can move. Um, so they don't, you know, they might not show up and it, it's hard to run a business like that unless you have extreme scale. Absolutely. So take us through the rest of your, your story. So you went from, from the uh, event rental business you sold that, which well, is- I never crazy. actually did the event rental business, but oh, oh, so the event space right. business. Yeah. business, my fault. Yeah. Yeah, the so, so then I looked at, I looked at so many businesses, Albert, like I looked at 10 businesses, 15 businesses. Um, I thought I was going to do investing in businesses. Um, I had um, invested and started helping run a uh, safety harness company um, at one point um, on the side. Again, wasn't all the way in and I had a partner for that, but like I never really found anything I was passionate about. So that's another thing about when you're starting a small business or any business, you've got to be passionate about it. You got to love it because if there, there's enough people out there that are really into business and it's really, really competitive and people are willing to work, you know, 24 hours a day. And yep. you know, there's always someone like hungrier than you. So you just got to be really into it. And I, I couldn't find anything that I was like waking up in the middle of the night thinking about me being like, oh, that's so cool. So, um, so then I started, um, you know, consulting and people just would ask me, Hey, can you help me out with this? Or, you know, they knew I had a lot of business experience and I, you know, was relatively young at the time. And the other is like, Oh, help me out with this. Can you help me out with that? And then, you know, that was 2014 and right. startups were getting, you know, pretty popular. Um, you know, I had, you know, I was, um, in college when the dot-com boom, you know, kind of collapsed. So I kind of was like a little like, yeah, is this thing real? Right. Um, but it was different, you know, this time around. So um, people started asking me and then like, you know, then more people started asking me. And then I was like, oh, I've been, you know, it's kind of like you come to the, after a couple of years, I came to this realization, oh, you know what? I can make a nice living out of this. Um, and th- that sounds like a lot of fun. So right. now my business is working as, you know, kind of just guiding businesses. Um, most of them are tech startups, but there are some more traditional businesses, um, you know, in, you know, like public relations or, uh, 
like wholesale uh, companies and you know, direct to consumer companies, but the majority of them are, are tech companies. Um, and I'm able to kind of give this wisdom to companies and my bread and butter has been you know, helping these companies scale. So it's your, you know, I, I usually come in around, so, so let, let me start by talking about yeah. some of the, um, the rounds of investment. Usually you start off with like a friends and family round or you put in an, it, this is purely for venture investment, which yes. is like such a small portion of the world businesses that are started. The local pizza place um, was not started with as a venture investment, you right. know? So right. the, the, the companies that like, you know, power, you know, all small business, th that's not typically what we're talking about here, Sure. but for the purpose of this conversation, I'll talk about that. Um, yep. and, and I will say, you know, if you, I can talk about those companies as well. Um, but there, it's a diff, totally different structure. So we well, I think that's good. I think, I think that's what we should do. Right. Cause you know, okay. people listening could be two different sides. So, okay, let's, so let's just walk through, yeah, uh, let's walk through the series. Uh, yeah. Like the, the funding of a, of a business, like you said, like a tech startup, if I'm just trying to do a startup, what start with, with the fans and family around, what does that mean? And then how do I go from there? You know, how do I maintain ownership? What kind of equity? What am I doing? So when you start, okay, so let's start there. So when you have like a, a let's say you want to go the venture route, you know, um, you know, it's totally different, totally different circumstances, but usually there's, um, you, you need some money, right? right? You need to kind of build out a prototype or some kind of business plan, you know? So you say, hey, you go to your friends and family, um, maybe you know some rich people and you say, hey, I'm looking for a few hundred grand. I just need to hire a couple engineers and you might be a lot of times the people are engineers themselves, which makes it a lot easier right. um, to build something out. Um, so once you get that built out, you kind of say, okay, here's the market. Let me talk to some people, get some partnerships going. I think I might have something here. And at this point um, you might go into an incubator and what right. an incubator is the most popular one is Y Combinator where yep. they basically, you know, they'll take 7% of your business and um, give you like 150 you know, grand or something like that. Yeah, and run yeah. you through the thing. But the big thing is they introduce you to every single venture capitalist. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and that makes your life really easy. So then you just fund, fundraise, hire, fundraise, hire, grow, grow, grow. Right. And and, and and that's like such a small portion of startups path. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they you just get you know. So you have you have enough of a product. You have something there. Maybe you have some some customers. Um, right. Some some bigger some bigger companies that are doing a pilot. You get some logos. Then you start going for the seed round, and the seed round is usually a couple million dollars. And that's like, and then you might you know you know could be called angels, um, you know, um, early stage venture capitalists. And you just kind of Google, find them, ask for LinkedIn introductions. Um, you know, go into their website, yep. eat, like cold emails. Uh, you know, network anything you can. Um, well, now let me ask you this. Now, you know, this is great. So. You know, if I'm on, you know, if I'm out there and I'm trying to start my business, right? And let's say I'm, I've got this great idea and I want to create this uh, T-shirt, you know, pressing business. And I've got, you know, a proof of concept here. We're going to do something totally different. I don't know. Who knows? They can do studs or whatever the case is, or who knows what they've got. Or they want to create a, a bakery and somebody's out there listening to this and they're like, man, this is great. You know, I want to, I want to go out there and I want to get my business started. So, you know, a lot of times we hear about, you know, hey, I just partnered with my best friend Becky over here and I gave Becky 50%. I took 50%. And now we're just, you know, working at the side job and we're just, you know, trying to make our bakery work or we're trying to get our cookies to market. And, and so, you know, a little bit different than that tech round, obviously. So I think that's part of a different, you know, round than you're talking about. But let's say that they, um, you know, do that and, you know, they split 50-50. 
you know, and, and then they decided that they wanted to, you know, try to get some angel investment. I mean, now w- what kind of percentage should they be trying to look at? I mean, try to help us navigate. Cause I think a lot of people are like, I don't even know how to do, you know, get to that first stage. Yeah. So if they really are looking for something different, um, usually the, the rule is that you give up about 20% in the early rounds. Okay. So, um, so that's a good rule of thumb. 20% then is, is yeah, I would say 20, 25% usually, you know, um, <laughs> So it, it depends, right? So it's like, cause you basically have nothing, right? right? So if you don't raise the money, you have nothing. Right. So if you're talking about like a traditional business, they don't really know. It, it's going to be hard to raise money with the venture capital route. So yeah. to say, you know, as how venture capital work, like let's say you have 10 investments, like let's say um, usually it's like a third of them are worthless. A third of them break even. And then let's say you're left with three. One of them might be, 5x one of them might be 7x and the hope is one is 100x right so like they don't really like they know they they don't need a company that's going to be you know just another t-shirt company that they can sell they want the company they want the stripe they want the uber that's right you know the airbnb these really big companies that you know that you can make tons of money because they know most businesses don't work out as we talked about and the reason why i mentioned that right is because a lot of times you talk to these you know, small business owners. And a lot of times they're thinking kind of in that mindset of, but they need to be thinking if they want to go this venture out, they need to be thinking they, how can they be that anomaly, right? How can they be that, that differential company that somebody's going to want to put a million dollars into? And I, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where sometimes they, you got to step back as a business owner and think, you know, can my business really scale? Right. And I think sometimes that's, that's the key. That's the key. Can it scale? So, um, you know, going back, I I would say if you're looking for that, kind yeah. of thing like understand that not every business is going to be uber right right and not every business is scalable like a car wash is a car wash unless you have ten thousand car washes right so um so it's really hard to scale a car wash um, and, and that's okay for some business owners maybe they just want yeah. to own a couple car washes and that's okay it's a great but business I, I think it, it is. And, but I think for this conversation, right, if this is somebody who wants to look at your experience and like, Hey, I want to get to that unicorn status, they need to be thinking scale. They need to think, you know, different. They need to think, you know, potential to venture out. Right. Yeah, definitely. And it has, it almost has to sound dumb, right? Like yeah. I go back and I've worked with about 150 companies. And like I said, maybe it's a, it's, let's call it eight, 9% of them have turned into this, you know, unicorn, which is a billion dollar valuation or more. I was zero percent chance I would have been able to predict which ones. Zero. Is that I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like they sound like dumb ideas. <laughs> you know, you really early. So, so tell us about no that. No offense so to anyone, is, but like no, no offense to anybody, but that's amazing. Big. It's out because you're dealing. You could walk into this company. There's like 30, 40 people, and you're like, yeah, we're gonna be like two thousand people or a thousand people. We're gonna be worth five billion dollars <laughs> in three years. You're like, sure you are. Sure you know, are. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like. You know, like your product, like there's three other people doing the same thing as you, because there's always three people doing the same thing as you. That's right. Um, uh, so it, it's real, like you just don't know. Um, you know, it's funny that you said that because I was um, just the other day I was listening to to Reed Hoffman's. Um, I was listening to Reed Hoffman's podcast, and he was talking about how he funded Airbnb, right? And it was Air Bed and Breakfast or whatever. And when they pitched it, literally one of the other VCs, I think it was at Greylock Partners, literally said, "This idea is dumb." who would ever rent out their personal space to strangers and yeah. literally said, this is the dumbest idea ever. And guess what? 
there it is. So I, I agree with you. I think it's one of those things that just you can't predict who's going to become the billionaire. Yeah, and I think that's why you know the venture capital exists, right? It's a portfolio right. method. You, um, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, and you got to do hundred like a hundred of these things to actually get those you know big venture capital returns. Because you know you might if you only do five of them, you might or ten of them, you might not get that one that was a hundred x. You got to do a lot of them, but one of them will be. Um, and that that's mostly what the venture capitalists are looking for. So when you're putting together, you know, your deck, um, you know, obviously get some advisors. That's a big thing. Some All people right. that have been there before, um, you know, there's a lot of really rich, retired tech people that, you know, advise companies and they love the energy of it and they don't need to get paid. They might take some equity, but talk to, you know, find people, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people out there that want to help and, you know, just kind of you know, bully your way into their network, you know, whether it's through LinkedIn or email and, you know, send thoughtful notes and you should, you know, if you get enough good advisors, they can make introductions on the, and help you craft your story. You know, it's funny. Um, one of the things that you were, well, a few of the things that you said, and these are the takeaways that I've gotten, right? So, you know, first off, right. If you're going to grow your business and you're going to make it happen, you got to be all in. I think those are your words, yeah. all in. Then you said, you know what, you got to find something you're passionate about. You're not going to sell or grow your business if you're not passionate about it. And then I think this was one of the key things that you said, right? Is you got to, you got to work the business. And I think you got to know your business in and out. A lot of people have this grand idea. I want to own car washes, but I don't even know how to do it. I don't even want to work one. Right. So, you know, you really got to work the That's business. Point, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, um, what you just talked to here. So those are some really good tips. And then some of the things that you're mentioning here is tap into advisors, right? find people who've done it before and, and get those resources. So if, if you could think of any other tips, you know, based on your experience for a startup or somebody who's trying to get their business growing, what other tip would you say, Hey, listen, this is one of the non-negotiables, right? You're working the business, you're all in, you're, you're getting the consultants, you've got the advisors, you're getting your pitch deck, you're, you're doing all these great things. What's another non-negotiable that you've seen that's been a key successful ingredient for business? Um, I would say like uh, when you're picking a partner, uh, most businesses should have a partner because it's too much stress um, doing it yourself That's and you right. can't be there 24 um, seven. You need someone to bounce ideas off of, but don't pick someone exactly like you pick someone with complementary skills. So if I'm the, you know, the admin or operations finance person, um, you know, if I were a partner in a business, um, it would be go like, I need a sales and marketing guy. Right. Like right. I can't be, I'm not, uh, you know, Albert, I always say you're very animated. You sure. are very outgoing. Like um, I'm not as outgoing as you. So, you know, for sales, I would not be as strong a salesperson as you. I would not have that energy to keep selling. Right. And so, you know, when you get someone and likewise, you know, on the finance side, I can manage all that stuff. No problem. So it's, right. if you get people that you kind of click together, one, you get different point of views. That's right. Um, so when you're, you, you know, when you're pitching investors or, your pitching clients, you know, you can kind of, you know, well, you know, you don't usually for big clients, you pitch, you know, they might have their CFO and right. CEO, and usually the CEO is more of the visionary marketing person. Um, so, you know, you need someone that's not only a dreamer, but someone that's practical. So I would say get, get a good partner. Um, yeah, I be think careful with that. that's very, very careful with the partner. And I want to talk about that mm -hmm. in a second, but um, I think you're exactly right about the co-founder and having somebody who can, who can balance you out. Um, because you're exactly right. Um, you've got to have that, that other side of it, you know, to be able to cross check you and be able to pull you back. 
Um, but you do got to be cautious, right? Because you could, I mean, you've heard the horror stories about partners. Any uh, words of advice for new startups on picking the proper co-founder? Um, you know, it, it's really tough, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of war stories out there. Um, I've had uh, some myself. Uh, <laughs> so I, I would say, it, you know, like, you know, as you know, you mature, it depends, like, you know, as you mature, I think you become very good at it. But, um, you know, if it's your first business, um, it, re- it really depends, right? Sometimes the co-founder is just someone that has all the money and you just need yes, money. You right? need money, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it really depends and you're kind of running the show, but they provide the capital. Um, but, you know, it should be someone that, you know, mutual respect, um, someone that you know has produced. Don't just go, you know, like a lot of times, you know, um, it's kind of like picking, you know, a spouse, you know, spouse, a lot of times people, right, a lot of times free, people, yeah. uh, yeah, like, you know, you get a reference, you get, you know, like people are like, oh, like I've known this person, I work, you know, a lot of times it's not usually like you go um, like speed dating and find a business partner. A lot of times it's like, oh, you gotta, you know, I've worked with this guy for 10 years. She's looking to leave his corporate job. Like, this is what he's good at. And he has all these connections and, you know, he sells the exact product that you're making to yeah. like everyone and he has those connections so if he joins you don't need to worry about sales um you know right. something along those lines so right. I, I would say you know just make sure that you know and i would say work ethic you know make you know make sure they're willing to work hard they're mentally stable that's a really big thing not everyone in yes. business um is mentally stable <laughs> which is like yeah yeah, yeah i'm sure cool. we've all experienced you know. it's terrible especially when you're talking about things like where you uh, had a million dollars and you ran three times over and you don't know how you're going to keep the lights on you don't know how to keep payroll going yeah you got to have that mentally stable partner i'm pretty sure it's uh yeah you don't want someone that's like you know um you know <laughs> crouching like in the corner you know um it's, yep. it's tough um uh, you know so and, and and people that are willing like they you know i would also say like um it's not always possible but if you have enough of a financial cushion where you can take the risk, that's right. always really good on a partner. You don't want someone that, uh, you know, and that could just be a stage of life thing yep. where, you know, you don't want someone where it's like, look, I would love to keep this business going, but and I know we've hit a rough patch, but I need to take a job. I got a mortgage. I got a family. and like, right. you know, like I can't keep doing this. And then you're on your own and, and it just gets complicated. It gets very complicated. You know, speaking of, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses and what you were talking about earlier. Um, you know, I, I was you know, read a great break, uh, book the other day and it was talking about how, you know, there's 97 things that you're really not good at. And there's mm-hmm. three things that you're, I mean, fantastic at. Right. And, um, you know, I call it, you know, the magic dust, right. You got your magic dust. So there's the three things that Albert's probably really killer at, you know, maybe it's the energy, maybe it's the sales, like to your point, mm-hmm. and you're going to triple down on those three things, but it's the things that you're not good at that you have to also, as a business owner, be able to identify, to be able to, to, to mm-hmm. find those people. Right. So, you know, full transparency, you know, um, one of the things that Albert's not, you know, this is not my strength this is the finance side. So I think this is a good segue for me to ask you how important is the finance piece in a business and, and why is it, you know, for some business owners, I'll tell you, listen, I'll be the first to say it. I've had several businesses where I was like, I can outsell myself through finance. I can out negotiate myself through mm-hmm. finance. I can just put revenue on the books and I don't need to button it all up. And it's always came back to haunt me. So why is it so important? Can you tell us? Yeah. So again, uh, and there's different types of businesses, right? right? So there's business like, you know, it's cliche, but like the phrase cash is king is, you know, kind of one of those things. 
Right. So yeah, if you raise $30 million and you're only spending, you know, 200 grand a month and you have no sales, who cares? Right. You go for a really long time. doesn't really matter. Right. Um, finances do not matter. Right. <laughs> like, right. you know, like you need them for taxes. <laughs> a lot of small businesses, um, when I worked in tax with my stepfather, uh, all they cared about was tax. They didn't, you know, they didn't care about, right. they, they, you know how they ran their business? They looked at how much money was in the bank account. That's and exactly had, right. Yeah. And they don't know how much money they're taking out, you know? Um, so if they always, and, and everyone kind of has that number in their head, whether it's like, I don't want my account to go under a hundred grand. I don't want it to go under 10,000. You know, sometimes it's 5 million. It depends on your payroll, depends cool. on your rent and your fixed costs. But, um, I think you have to, so, you know, at the beginning stages, I would say like, you'd be surprised. Most startups don't keep good finances no, and, not. um, they, and they really don't know how much money they're making. They don't know how much money they're spending. But they know, like, every single founder I've ever dealt with knows how much money's in their bank account. Like, that's, that's a right. given. Everyone knows how much money's that's in their right. bank account. That's right. That's right. Because that's like, can we make payroll? Because um, no one ever wants to miss a payroll. That's like the one thing you never do. Because that's, yes, that's the people debt. take personal responsibility that's right. um, for that. And that's people, right. you know, you have a trust with your employees. Um, that's right. So I would say, like, finances get more important. And again, go, let, let's look at the two types of businesses, right? When you're right. looking at, like, you know, uh, let, let's take the car wash again. Um, you know, it's important because you need to budget, um, you know, you might have, you know, you might need to, but, you know, car washes are very profitable. Right. So you might need to budget for your own personal taxes. Right. You might need right. to wonder how much money you can take out because you have to, you're buying a house. You want, you don't want to take all the money out of the business. Um, you want to know what the business is worth because you're looking to sell it. Right. Um, and it's really hard to catch up. That's the other thing. You right. can't just like run a car wash for five years, not keeping the books and be like, okay, I want to sell it. So I'm going to be like, Okay, well, I know how many cars went through, but how much money did you make? Oh, right. what, what are your supplies? Um, you know, you can't be like, well, let me get back to you yeah. and then have some receipts and get them, like, yeah. Yeah. do the books for five years. They're, yeah. It's gonna look ridiculous. Um, right. It's gonna take forever. So, um, you know, you never know what's gonna happen in life. You might need a loan. Um, you know, you might, you know, there's a million things that could happen. So, you really wanna keep, you know, in, in these regular businesses, have an idea, like, be pretty close. It never has to be perfect. Like right. no one expects your numbers to be perfect when you don't have a full-time finance team. So that's on that side of the business. When you're at a scalable business, like the venture startups, you got to keep it clean. One, you have investors, right? right? You took people's money. So they want to know how's their money doing? How's that's your right. business doing? Right. Um, the next thing is you probably need more money. Like 99.9% .9 of venture backed startups lose money. Like at the early stages, they have to, because they're building their market share. It's growth so so it's like, how much money, you know, if you go out and hire eight more people, well, you know, you might have a few million bucks in the bank, but what's that going to do to it? Sure. If you want to go spend a million dollars on social media advertising, which is very common, right. what's that going to do to the amount of, you know, the 20 million in cash you have? You're spending that every month, going to take a big piece. Right. And I think the other thing is you need to know when to raise money if you're That's a venture-backed right. company, because, right. you know, you might have XYZ uh, going on, um, and you have all this money you're spending and you're bringing in money and you're closing deals and everything's going great. But if you're off by a few months and you run out of money, like what are you gonna do, lay people off? What's gonna happen, which is what I've seen before, is you right. go begging your investors to give you a loan and mm -hmm. they give it to you. Every right. single time they'll give it to you. And tell me what that looks like. And let's but, talk about what that looks like. What, what does that look like when you go begging for a loan? Yeah, so the, basically what happens is they call it a bridge round. Right. So, um, so what happens is, you know, you kind of get ahead of yourself mm -hmm. and you, um, you expect a big client to come in and you go out and hire. 
Um, and again, this is the stressful stuff of business, right? That's right. And, um, and, and venture capital investors are very friendly, much more friendly than like, you know, other type, you know, That's regular, right. you know, sharks, you know? Right. Um, so let's say, you know, you think there's big clients coming in, go hire 20 people, you go spend all this money on tech infrastructure and stuff like that. Um, and then it turns out, and you thought you were gonna, um, this client would, you know, the revenue offset the expenses and it would help you run for the next, you know, 10 months and you would start raising six months from now. Turns out the client doesn't materialize. You've already expended that. So usually what they'll do is they'll give you, um, and you thought your valuation was going to go, let's say from, you know, right. 50 million to 500 million. Right. So, um, and you're going to, you know, have a very not like maybe like sell 10% for 500 million and you're going to be very, you're, you weren't going to be diluted. Everything was going to be great. Didn't happen. Right. So they'll, they'll, they'll honor the last round. They're not going to make you raise, uh, you know, a $20 million valuation because right. their stock option plans involved and everyone would get very upset if their stock went down. Right. So they'll give you like, let's say a couple million dollars and, and that's the thing. But the, the problem, and, and it's a great, one of the great questions about this is how do small businesses get money like that if you're not venture back? And you don't have, if you don't have a lot of experience, you're probably not going to qualify for business loan. Unless that's it's a good point. Yep, that's right. So not everyone's that fortunate, but you know, again, this is a scalable venture back business problem, not, you know, uh, m most people are, aren't as, most businesses aren't as um, risky as these. Yeah, absolutely. So then that's a great, that's a great point. So then, so what would you say if I'm, if I have a business, wh what are investors looking for? Like, I mean, I know that's a very broad question, but what would you say, like, if you wanted to go into a venture back business, what would investors be looking for? I know we talked about a proof of concept or a minimum viable product. And then, you know, hopefully maybe potentially pre-revenue or, or actually starting to make revenue, but what, what would you say some investors are, are looking for in a company? Yeah. So it depends really. So I think like, you know, a lot of times like the early, early stage investors have some kind of idea of what your, your industry. So I think something that that's simple to explain would be very helpful. Right. Like, you know, you don't need to be like, well, we're doing this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, I don't really get it. Like it has to be simple um, right. to explain. Um, but really it's that, you know, it's that, that like one, you are an honest person. You, people want to work for you. So I'm just talking about like the actual CEO or founder. Sure, like sure. the hardest part about scaling a business is hiring. And if yeah. you can't get people to work for you, um, you know, you have to have some charisma. So it's both charisma for, um, unless you were just like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. And there the you, go. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, like it, it's really like, you got it. Like, like you can be so special. Um, or you could be extremely wealthy. You know, you don't necessarily have to be charismatic. But right. If, if you, let's say you don't have, you're not extremely wealthy and you're not the number one person in the world in your industry, which 99.99% right. of people won't be, um, you're probably looking for, um, you know, they're looking at you, right? right. Can't, it, because everyone's going to like lie and say, oh, this is going to be a billion, $10 billion business, right? right. And that's okay. Um, no one really knows, but like, are you going to, do you have that, those, those things we talked about? Do you have that passion? Right. Um, do you love this business? Do you, are you mission driven? Can you get other employees to also believe you're mission driven? Right. And is it actually that big an idea? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, or, and is it something that like, you know, anyone can do if like, you know, what's the, like, nope. you know, do you have some reason why you would make it succeed better than someone else? Right. You know? So, right. um, and it could just be, no, you know, but you're the only person doing that right now, right. <laughs> you know, right. which could or, be good or bad. Right. It could be good but, because, you know, you have a big head start, but it could be bad 
Um, and I think this was big with, um, you know, I remember a few years ago, the Instagram stories. Yeah, like, yeah, um, that's right. But like, that was like not a thing that they, I, I believe they, I think it was uh, like a copied Snapchat on it. And yeah. it was one of those things that is just like, oh, well, it, it didn't end up hurting Snapchat, but um, very easy for these companies to just, you know, copy things. Copy and duplicate, right. Which is, you know, that moat piece, right? What's the piece that differentiates yeah. you, right? So you're always constantly just trying to make sure that you're, you're mm-hmm. getting ahead of your, your competitor, um, which is actually kind of the last thing I think we should touch on. So you, you know, you kind of gave us some good tips as to what, you know, business owners should be looking at in terms of, you know, hey, if I'm going to get involved, these are some of the things I should do. You know, we talked about some of the things that investors are looking for. So give us a couple of mistakes. I mean, listen, I think you said in the beginning, you've taken eight, nine companies, was it 10 companies to, to billion dollar status? Yeah, 12. Yeah, 12 to a yeah. billion and, dollars. And in full disclosure, wasn't these companies would have been billion dollar companies without me. I helped them, but you like, were influential. You were influential. I was in, in the like, Let's just yeah. put it what it is. You influenced that part of it. And I think that's, yeah. that's amazing. And I think, you know, you yeah. should lean into that Dave, because your, your finance background helped them to make the right decisions to get through those startups, those raises to get them to, to be the unicorns that they were. And people listening to this, hopefully, you know, we'll reach out to you and, and, and maybe look to go through some raises with you, but Here's, here's the question. What are a couple of mistakes that companies should really just from your experience, Hey, you've seen guys do it well, and you've seen guys probably tank. So what are some common pitfalls and mistakes that you've seen maybe from a finance standpoint or just overall that you're like, man, just from what I've seen, maybe these are a couple of pitfalls you can avoid. Do you have any advice for anybody? Yeah. So um, again, it depends on the business, right? Of like course. Venture, yeah. So like um, if you're a venture back business, I would say like on the finance side, um, the common mistakes are the biggest common mistake on the finance side is um, thinking it doesn't matter for too long. Like it doesn't matter for a short period of time. Hmm. So um, like you might have, you know, once you raise half a million, million dollars, it doesn't really matter that much. After that, it does matter. And it's really hard to catch up. So um, a lot of times I've um, had to bring on a team of a half dozen people to clean up the books of um, companies that, you know, we're going through a monster fundraise and just nothing made sense. And they hadn't charged sales tax ever because they didn't think it was important. They never properly invoiced clients. They never collected money because they had so much money in the bank. They raised so much money. So um, it's really common not to, for startups, not to collect money that's owed to them because it's right. just, it they, they don't want to, and, you know, but if they had actually, you know, looked at the finance side and, you know, you know, as great as their product is, um, done that, it would have been a little bit easier. That being said, um, rarely does the finance side bring down the business uh, startup because they're so well capitalized until the later stages. Um, but it's really annoying when you go through diligence at the later stages and you know, and, and nothing makes sense and people call you out on it. Wow. Um, so I, I would say kind of like know what's important, know what's not, and talk to an expert like me or someone else or, you know, that could basically say, Hey, focus on this. Don't, fo- you don't need to focus on that. You don't need um, audit proof financials when you've raised $10 million. No one cares. They just need to be good. Um, you know, sometimes like a B plus, you know, how it works as well as like a B plus you could study for in three hours, but to get an A plus, you've got to study for like a hundred hours. Right. Like the B plus is usually good enough if you have limited resources because you can use those other hours building out sales and, um, you know, producing your product. So, and, I, and then, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. You had another mistake. Come I, I was going to say for the other side of the business, like uh, the pizza places or my, like my business, the old frozen yogurt shop, mm-hmm. uh, just be aware of, you know, cash flow. 
and you know just watch that cash bank like like i, I would say that's usually and, and prepare for taxes because when you have a small business that's profitable you know you got to give a third of it away at the end of the year yep. so be prepared for that um you know and understand you know if you can build a budget so you have an idea of the cyclic you know the seasonality of your business if you're doing all your you know so you can ramp up right. your inventory um you know, just be aware because, you know, no business goes straight up. There's okay. always ups and downs, you know, both like throughout the year and long term. So, you know, a lot of businesses that were on fire pre-COVID um, didn't do so well when everything was closed. Mm. And then they panicked. And then it was like, oh, now we get this government money. Now we're good again. And then it yep. just keeps opening and closing. So always have something in the bank and yep. keep a reserve um, because, you know, stuff always happens that's bad. Is there a good reserve? Is there a good reserve amount before I, I'll, I'll ask you this last question and then we'll, we'll wrap yeah. up, but is there a good amount for a cash-based business like that that you recommend for um, a reserve? Or is there- not really, it really is business dependent, right? Sure. Um, you got to know, like, you know, I, I would say, you know, a couple, couple payrolls, you know, would be good, but you know, uh, you know, what you don't want to do is be like, oh, I had a good month and then take all the money out of business and buy a car or something, right. you know, like, be, <laughs> you know, like when you run a business, you got to be really like frugal. Um, and really, you know, it's, it's not your money, even though it kind of is, um, and just, you know, put it to the side and be, don't, don't think you're the, you know, so I, I remember I heard this once, like, it's never as good as you think, and it's never as bad as you, you think, you, I know, like that. you know, with a business I like and it's that. like, you know, don't let yourself get too high when things are going great and that it's, good times are going to last forever. Don't get too low when you have a bad month or something like that. That's easier really, said than done. No, but that's really good advice because a lot of times as owners, we get so myopic and it's like, oh, we're having yeah. a bad month and it's just, you know, crazy. So, all right, well, let me ask you this, Dave. If if, if there's others out there listening and let's say they've got a, a VC-based startup or they're just maybe going into the tech, you know, world and they're getting to the place where they need somebody out there to guide them through their seed series or their series A, is this, I mean, is this a good description of how they should probably look at somebody like yourself or reach out? And if that is the case, you know, what would be the ideal business that should tap resources like you and, and how would they get a hold of you? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, yeah. So I would say, yeah, you know, you're raising a C, Series A, Series B, and you're kind of like, okay, we kind of haven't really paid much attention to the finances yet. And we're not sure what's important. Um, we need to kind of craft our story. Um, you know, we need a budget, we need a model, we need to get through diligence, but we're not even, you know, it could just be you're not aware of the story. It could be that, you know, someone offered you $500 million for business and want to sell it. Like, and you just need an expert. So those would be the kind of situations um, where I'd come in. I'd be a little early for companies that were pre-revenue unless they had raised, you know, 10, $20 million, um, something along those lines. Because again, I, I want to be, a, I want to be cognizant that, you know, at the beginning stages, most businesses don't need someone like me. It's a little too much horsepower. Mm-hmm. Prove out your product, see what you have. And then let's have a conversation about where you're going. Uh, because any, you know, when you're too early, you know, anything is possible. It's like an infant, right? Like, you right. know, they could be anything in the world. Who knows? Right. You know, um, you know, once, w- once the business is established a little bit, you kind of know where you're going. That's where I would come in. Now, can, you, now can you come in from the rescue side? Or yeah, I mean, I don't like it because it's really a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I've done it before. Yeah. Um, where companies spend too much money. Sure. And we need to cut costs. Right. Uh, right. But, you know, a lot of times, I, and that's really, you have to have, you know, it's not like I'm going to be the person making the layoffs, but right. you would have to, you know, have, have a team approach. And yes, I, I, I've done that also, but, you know, it's not right. as fun. 
So, I, I, well, maybe maybe fun's not even the right word. So basically, from your skill set, maybe this is a better word. You're the right tool for helping businesses go through, you know, profitable scale prof, from a startup to a scale up. Maybe that's where yeah, your best that, utilization right. is. Your that's where your success lies. Is going from startup to scale up and through seed rounds. That's where your best. Yeah, I would is. say that, that that's you know, I would say from you know when you uh, get your seed round to when you sell. Like yeah. I could totally help you with that. Um, there's there's people that are probably much better. At cutting costs and doing that, all that stuff than me. It's just and, and the best way to reach me yep, is reach you. you know my website's dashboardfinancial.com. Uh, my email is dave at dashboardfinancial.com. Dave at dashboardfinancial.com. Dashboardfinancial.com. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate you having your day. Great talking to you, Albert. Thanks. Bye. Bye.